Hi, I'm your host, Kimberly Thomas-Tigg, and you're listening to Signalize, a Dazzle for Rare podcast. Whether you're a patient, advocate, caregiver, or a clinician, Signalize is your source for good news, personal stories, events, and the things that rare and associated communities care about. Follow Signalize and Dazzle for Rare at D-A-Z-Z-L-E, the number four, R-A-R-E, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, where we'll post episode links, updates, and more. Hey, hi, how are you? I hope that you're keeping well. I hope you had a nice Halloween, Samhain, bonfire night, or any celebratory occasion between the 31st of October and the 5th of November. I hope that you had a great time. We're here another week, another rare and relevant TLDR. You know the drill. Too long, didn't read, but no offense. It's a summary of what's going on in our global space. We're inundated all the time with emails in our inboxes, too many social media accounts that we can't keep up with, and information that we need to know now, but it's hard to keep track of it in ever-changing timelines. It's a fast-paced world. So here's just a glimpse at November and what we have in store in our global community. Whether you're the person who is the patient, you're a parent, you're a partner, you're a practitioner, or you're anyone who realizes that rare is not rare, but that it touches every point in our lives in some way, hopefully once you see it, you won't be able to unsee it. And that's not a bad thing. So grab a hot drink, relax, let's get into it. Just a friendly neighborhood reminder that all of the dates that I'm going to mention are accessible for free on our Dazzle for Rare Awareness Days calendar. You can subscribe using Mac, PC, smart device, or your web browser, or you can even join us on our new WhatsApp group where we'll share awareness dates in one of the groups on our WhatsApp channel. So just search WhatsApp channels Dazzle, D-A-Z-Z-L-E, the number four rare, and join us. So now we're getting into a November Awareness Events. November, if you did not know, is International Epilepsy Awareness Month, uh, running from the 1st to the 30th of November. It's a month dedicated to raising awareness about the epilepsies, plural. If you're a regular listener, you know that we frequently refer listeners affected by one or more of the epilepsies to the Epilepsy Sparks Insights podcast, hosted by friend of the dazzle and all-around awesome human being, Tori Robinson. As usual, we'll link to her podcast in the show notes. Did you know that recently on social media, hashtag epilepsy has been trending for the last few weeks? Um, At least it has been on Twitter slash X. So whether you've been spreading awareness of SUDEP, sudden unexpected death associated with epilepsy, or you're gearing up to help educate people about International Epilepsy Awareness Month, right now is a great time to do that. So definitely ride the wave of awareness, share some facts with folks, because the epilepsies are a lot more common than most people realize. Uh, So please do spread as much good factual information as you can. November is also National Complex Regional Pain Syndrome, or CRPS, Awareness Month. It is also November. Uh, Throughout the month, folks aim to shed a light on the challenges faced by people dealing with CRPS, which is a chronic, debilitating pain condition, and it's so much more than that. But really, I would encourage you to go check out Friend of the Dazzle, Barbie Engel. She registered trademark for November. Uh, It's back in 2009 to link November with nerve pain awareness. This campaign has grown to encompass 
various nerve pain conditions, not just CRPS. You can learn more about nerve pain and more specifically Barbie's advocacy work that she's been doing for many years on her website, which we will link in the show notes. Keeping with November, the 10th of November is Color the World Orange Day, dedicated to raising awareness of CRPS. So on November 10th, if you are so inclined, pop on some orange and show your support for folks who are living with a nerve pain condition. This month, uh, not only is for Fox G1, not only for November, not only for CRPS, but also Menke's disease. Menke's disease itself primarily affects boys and is caused by aging mutation on the X chromosome. Hi, this is Daniel DeFabio, dad to Lucas who had Menke's syndrome and co-founder of the Disorder Channel. November is Menke's Disease Awareness Month, and I'd like to make people more aware of films we've made on Menke's Syndrome. The first I made in 2015, Menke's Disease, Finding Help and Hope, can be found on Vimeo. And the most recent film, just made this year, called Life After Diagnosis Day, deals with several rare diseases, including Menke's Syndrome. That can be found on YouTube. We hope you'll share links to those as part of Menke's Awareness Month. And of course, both films can be watched on the Disorder Channel through a Roku or Fire TV device. Thank you. Thanks so much, Daniel, for taking time. We will drop a link to the Disorder Channel, uh, which you can get on Roku or Amazon Fire Stick TV. So definitely go to the show notes and check that out. Also, in November, it's a busy month, guys. Uh, We have... World Acromegaly Awareness Day. Um, Before last year's special podcast, where we talked about Rondo Halton, one of probably the first people to have acromegaly in the spotlight, I feel like it's come up so often. And it's a a condition where I don't see a lot of people posting about it on uh, online in terms of awareness. I would really like to see more of that. So I hope you will too. If you are part of the acromegaly community, please feel free to post on social media during November, because honestly, I would love to see what folks in their real everyday life are doing and coping with acromegaly. So definitely tag Dazzle for Rare on any socials, and we would be happy to share your messages and help more people see those. We also have World Net Cancer Day on the 10th, so very soon. That focuses on awareness for neuroendocrine tumors. I've probably mentioned this on the podcast before, but one of my oldest friends passed away from neck cancer in 2019. And when I say oldest friends, I'm saying we met when I was 15 years old. So uh, we had our ups and downs, but reconnected shortly before he died. Each year, I'm reminded there is definitely hope for folks who are able to catch the disease early. So please don't sleep on endocrine tumors. Don't sleep on awareness. Get checked out if you have any concerns. And you can learn the signs and symptoms of neck cancer. And we will put a link in the show notes to share that with you. Also, coming up in just a few days, we have November 15th, International 15Q Day, and the 17th of November with is Smith Maginus Syndrome Awareness Day or SMA Awareness Day. Uh, Smith Maginus Syndrome is a rare genetic condition that affects the 17th chromosome. We have recently spoken to some folks from SMSA UK and We had hoped to have a clip from them to share with you today, but we don't. However, um, if we do get a chance to catch up with them, I really look forward to sharing some more about Smith-Maginus Syndrome awareness. 
Next, we have San Filippo Awareness Day, which is the day following SMSA Awareness on the 16th of November. And of course, it is World San Filippo Awareness Day, so observable wherever you are. According to CureSanFilippoFoundation.org, World San Filippo Awareness Day is about spreading awareness and sparking conversations globally about San Filippo Syndrome, a disease that few have heard of. This special day of awareness is in honor of the children around the world living with San Filippo Syndrome and those who have passed. It also honors the families of these precious children. The NIH has info as well. And San Filippo Syndrome is also known as mucopolysaccharidosis 3. Uh, according to the NIH, are a group of inherited metabolic diseases caused by the absence or the malfunctioning of a certain enzyme the body needs to break down molecules called glycosaminoglycans. The genes that help do this job, that break down heparin, the type of sugar found in our cells. When the genes don't work properly, it causes problems in the body. We'll link to the NIH article for those who are so inclined as to read more about this rare condition. This is a non-rare day, but we observe on the 24th of November, Carers' Rights Day here in the UK. These folks are the unsung heroes of rare and associated lives. They provide lots of unpaid services such as companionship, helping us with our medications, driving us to appointments, or helping us to understand complex and stressful information or appointments or interactions in healthcare. And they do so much more than that. But what makes somebody a carer? in the UK or in the US. I've wondered this myself because it comes up more frequently than I would have ever imagined, especially coming from the United States. I, I looked this up and in the UK, according to NHS England, a carer is anyone, including children and adults, who look after a family member, partner, or friend who needs help because of their illness, frailty, disability, mental health problem, or addiction, and cannot cope without their support. That's a super broad term, but it's quite encompassing. In the United States, the definition is a little bit different. So a caregiver is a person who tends to the needs or concerns of a person with short or long-term limitations due to illness, injury, or disability, according to Johns Hopkins Medical. Reading both of these definitions or hearing both of these definitions, you'll see that in the UK, those who are considered carers can be children, and this can include illness, disability, mental health, or general frailty, which I don't really know how that's defined in the UK, but that's certainly an interesting list. One thing I noticed is that in the US and in the UK, they differ in social attitude towards people who provide care, who those people are. Again, it's not something that we always take a lot of time to think about, but it's a very important topic because it affects folks. If you're the patient, if you're the caregiver, if you're someone in clinical practice who is liaising with a caregiver or a carer, this is all important to understand. So if you're like me and you're thinking about these definitions and these levels of care, compensated or not, um, I'm also going to drop a wiki article about caregiving in different countries. You know, take it with a grain of salt because Wikipedia is a community maintained, not 100% accurate sort of online encyclopedia. So do with you what you will with the information, shall we say. Okay, next in November, we have Remembrance Day. This is the season for Remembrance Sunday, which is observed on the 12th of November. So again, coming up very soon. On this solemn day, we honor the memories of those who sacrificed their lives in the world wars. History on the net, which is a website, has a page on the combined death toll of both world wars. Their data reports that World War I took the lives of over 16 million people. World War II took lives of an estimated 60 million plus people. No matter how you measure the toll on humanity, it's a significant day. 
as we say in the UK, lest we forget, meaning we must prevent another world war or potentially catastrophic event by never forgetting the devastation that took so many human lives. We run the risk of forgetting when we allow our differences to become greater than our commonalities. Alrighty, folks, moving on to events in November. In November, we have the National Foundation for Ectodermal Dysplasias, or NFED Advocacy Day. I think we talked about this last year as well. And this takes place on the 18th and the 19th in Washington, D.C., USA. These folks are advocating for Ensuring Lasting Smiles Act, known as ELSA. While this takes place in person in Washington, D.C., I'm sure the good folks at NFED would appreciate any love and support from folks around the world supporting folks with ectodermal dysplasias. You can find out more on nfed.org. Coming up toward the end of this month, we have the London Rare Diseases Showcase. If you are in the U.K., uh, don't forget to mark your calendars for the 27th for London Rare Disease Showcase. You can pick up a copy of their rare disease campaign that has recently been published in The Guardian. Uh, and you can also check out their website, rarebeacon.org. We have some more news for you from folks in the Dazzle for Our Network. For those who don't know, we have a Dazzle for Our Network group on Facebook with folks perhaps like yourself, advocates, nonprofit leaders, and others. And in the group, we have Eleonora Passieri, um, who shared that the ERN Reconnect has translated the Clinical Patient Management System flyer into many different languages. I think it's 24, but don't quote me on that. Like it, not only to help educate in our networks, but to ensure that we're able to reach more folks in their native languages. If you're not familiar with ERN Reconnect, it is part of the European Reference Network with the European Commission, and it was established in about 2017, I believe. Specifically, ERN Reconnect is focused on rare and complex connective tissue and musculoskeletal disorders. They have 10 conditions, in these categories, such as antiphospholipid syndrome, the Ehlers-Danlos syndromes, idiopathic inflammatory myopathies, IgG4-related diseases, and mixed connective tissue diseases, and a few more. You can find the full list on their website, which is reconnect.ern-net.eu. Woo, that's a long one, but we'll put it in the show notes. At the time of recording, we're hoping to get a chance to speak to some folks from ERN Reconnect about their work in these condition groups. Also, a bit of incidental news, but the folks there at ERN Reconnect were recently a part of an interview with our friends at Rare Revolution magazine. Professor Marta Mosca and Dr. Rosaria Tellerico uh, provided some insights on the organization's activities and initiatives, and we'll drop a link to that article in the show notes. The folks from Medics for Rare have a survey that is currently ongoing. If you haven't heard of the survey yet, it aims to focus on increasing healthcare professional awareness of rare diseases. And the survey itself closes on the 20th of November, so you still have a few days. While we're talking about uh, M4RD, while researching for this episode, I found an article in The Guardian last year from Dr. Lucy McKay. The article is titled, We Doctors Must Improve Our Approach to Rare Diseases. I'll drop a link to the full letter by Dr. McKay in the show notes. But in summary, the letter addresses concerns about diagnostic delays and patient experience in healthcare, which can be a poor experience for patients with rare conditions. She acknowledges the progress made in rare disease treatment, but points out that medical professionals' education in the field is 
not keeping pace. I think many of us listening would agree with that statement, especially the great organizations like Global Genes who have been running medical student and patient matching programs like the Global Compassion Program. In any case, Dr. Mackay highlights the importance of addressing rare diseases in medical training despite the challenges faced by the healthcare sector, of which there are many, and whatever country you happen to live in. She emphasizes the need for equitable health care for individuals with rare conditions and discusses her initiative, Medics for Rare Diseases, aimed at educating medical professionals to enhance the patient experience. I will link to their podcast as well if you're a medical professional so that you can have a listen to that. It is always a pleasure to work with rare and associated organizations and advocates for a common goal. We have another survey. This time the survey comes from Couch Health and Beacon for Rare Diseases. They're conducting a survey for those living with Willebrand disease aimed at improving healthcare services and plans. And hopefully that'll be in the show notes by the time you listen to this episode. And finally, we have NIHR is looking for study ideas to enhance the quality, accessibility, and general health of the organization and social care services. They're offering research funding for innovative ideas. So we'll drop a link to that as well. Okay, we have a little bit of scientific news as well to add to today's episode. Um, This isn't rare per se, but it's really fascinating, and thus it's worth sharing with you here. So a study on education and cognitive development was just published in mid-October. The study is called Correlation Between Cognitive Ability and Educational Attainment Weakens Over Birth Cohorts. I'm pleased to say that this study is not behind a paywall, and we will link to it in the show notes if you'd like to read it for yourself, which of course you can do. But a quick summary is, the study examined the link between intelligence and education in Norwegian men born between 1950 and 1991. They found in the past, uh, male individuals deemed to be smarter received more education, but this connection has weakened over the decades. Reasons may include increased accessibility to education for everyone, um, perhaps correspondence, then online education, and um, maybe even the price of certain types of education coming down, making education more accessible to more people, uh, as well as changing job requirements that prioritize other cognitive skills, motivation and emotional intelligence alongside other cognitive skills that we would consider pure intelligence. It's important to note that this study focused on men and used the same intelligent tests over the years. So they were consistent in their testing, but they only looked at men. This method may not fully capture the changes in the relationship between intelligence and education in a changing world, but it's certainly really interesting. So if you want to have a look at it yourself, I would recommend it. It's it's an interesting topic, and I think talking about cognitive ability and education is something that we'll be talking about more in the future, just generally in society. And it's definitely important to recognize that there are other cognitive abilities that are extremely useful in society. So anyhow, I will quit waffling on, but I will put the link in the show notes, and hopefully you'll find it interesting as well. And that's it for our November roundup of awareness, events, and news. Remember, knowledge is power, folks, and together we can make a difference. I know it sounds cheesy, but it's the truth. We It takes a village. It takes every single one of us to break through and get out there and share everything that we're doing with the rest of the world because rare is not rare. And many of us are affected. One in 17 in the UK, one in 10 in the US. 
if you have stuff to share, uh, you're welcome to do so in our one of our WhatsApp groups. Um, or you can always reach out to the podcast via email. And of course, that is in the outro of the show. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Signalize, a Dazzle for Air podcast. To stay up to date on the podcast and Dazzle for Air, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at D-A-Z-Z-L-E, the number four, Rare, R-A-R-E. And finally, if you liked this episode, share it with a friend and tag us on social media platforms.